I think the best advice that I have had and that I've taken in in the last several years, and particularly around the breast cancer stuff, is not everybody needs to know everything. Mm. You're entitled to your privacy when it comes to challenges. It's important to tell people what's okay and what's not okay and enforce that because people will rise to the level of your boundaries. And if you don't have them, you'll be awash in other people's energy. So I think that it's important for you to take a moment and ask yourself, what is it that I need here in this moment? And am I willing to give that to myself? And if I don't have the energy or strength to, who can I ask to support me in it so that you don't have to be alone? That is beautiful. That is so beautiful. And Hi, I'm Biz Cush, a life coach and therapist and your host here on the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. We're talking to women all over the world who found their way back to themselves, to their inner knowing, to their intuition, to their wisest self. We're exploring how to feel alive, authentic, engaged, and fully present in your life. Let's awaken your wise woman. Hey there, we are back with another inspiring and information-filled podcast this week. But uh, before we jump into that, I just wanted to say happy spring here in Maryland that has been a slow coming event. Lots of cold weather and I just can't wait for warmth and more sunshine. I don't know about you, but I love winter and I'm ready for spring. By the time it comes around, I am so ready for something different. And that's why I love living on the East Coast where I get to experience all the seasons. So here we are. I'm Biz Cush. Forgot to introduce myself. I am Biz Cush and this is my podcast. And again, I'm super excited to have Nicole Lewis Kieber here on the podcast today. But before we get into that interview, I just wanted to share that I have coaching spots available. My schedule has opened up and I have spots available for coaching with me. And through my Shine Your Light Brightly coaching program, we explore your values, your energy, so how in touch with your self energy you are, as well as the energetic flow. So how balanced you're feeling, how much of your energy is going towards the things that really fill you up versus the things that drain you. We'll tap into your intuition because it's there. Sometimes we lose track of it, but we all have intuition. And your alignment. So how aligned you feel in your life choices in your business, in your life itself is really important in, in making helping you feel centered and grounded and empowered. So if this sounds good to you, especially if you are a highly sensitive woman, because I know what a challenge that can be not to feel overwhelmed and stressed all the time. And I want that for you. I want that for you. So if this sounds good to you, if you want to know more about coaching with me, you can sign up for a free 45-minute discovery call 
where we explore whether life coaching with me works for you. You can do that through my website. There's multiple buttons to click to schedule that 45-minute free call. I look forward to chatting with you to see if this is the right fit for you. So go to elizabethcushcoaching.com, click on the schedule, a chat with me, and I can't wait to talk to you. So on to today's interview, we've got Nicole Lewis-Kieber and just such an enlightening conversation for me personally, being a trauma survivor, which most of you, many of you as listeners of the podcast here know, and she really has brought to light in her business that as trauma survivors, if we're entrepreneurs in particular, we may be bringing those trauma patterns into our businesses, into our business mindset and how we relate to our business. And the thing that really struck me was how she shaped the conversation around you are in relationship to your business. Like this is a relationship. You work with it every day and you feel things about it every day. And if you have trauma, you might be repeating those trauma patterns in your business, on your business, with your business. So here's a little bit more about Nicole and then we'll jump into our conversation. Nicole Lewis-Kieber is the business therapist, author of How to Love Your Business, and creator of the Do No Harm program for trauma-conscious entrepreneurs. She's passionate about the impact of small-t trauma on businesses and combines therapeutic processes with business coaching to help entrepreneurs build emotionally sustainable, financially stable businesses. Nicole has a rich and varied experience as a therapist. She's trained and certified with Brene Brown's Dare to Lead methodology and has also been featured on numerous media outlets, including Fast Company and NPR, for her work in breaking the stigma of mental health and business ownership. Let's jump into this conversation with Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. This is the best part of my job, is, is even though I don't get paid for this part. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love interviewing other women and getting to know them. But for others out there in the world who don't know who you are, could you share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. My name is Nicole Lewis-Kieber. I have a master's degree in social work. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. However, I'm not from here. As you get to talk to me, you'll hear that I have a little bit of a Southern accent remaining from growing up in North Carolina. I live here in Lancaster with my husband and our two cats, which you probably will hear hear (laughs) in the background, the door shut, but you know, how cats are. So I do, I do. If you hear some meowing in the background, that's them, you know, griping about the fact that I have now shut them out of their favorite spots. <laughs> to <laughs> I totally get it. You may hear my dog bark in the background too. So there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I I really honestly <laughs> when I always get always get asked this question, they're like, oh, 
I don't know what to say, but I, I think the most important, important thing to share is that I'm 51. I'm from that Gen X generation. Mm. And, you know, so much of the experiences that I had growing up led me to have this desire to understand people's behavior for many reasons. Yeah, And I think that that's one of the reasons why I chose the therapy world to step into as a career and what has led me through that career to where I am now, which is being a coach for small business owners and entrepreneurs and someone who is on the forefront of exploring how trauma impacts entrepreneurship. And so much of that journey has come from learning to listen to myself and not what other people are telling me that I can and should do, which was a skill that I learned from being a kid and growing up who had a learning disability back in the day when no one really tested for that or, or provided any assistance. So from this really big challenge I had growing up and feeling like I had no idea what was going on most of the time, I learned to work my way around it and to find the thing that works for me and to trust my own inner knowledge. And I think that that's just been something that has served me my whole life through all of the ups and downs and the roller coaster. Yeah. Well, and it's not always easy to, when there are people telling you what you should and shouldn't do. And if there's your own trauma, potentially in your childhood, like I'm speaking from personal experience, mm -hmm. just that I lost faith in the ability to trust myself because everybody was telling me what I was, what I was feeling, what I was experiencing. Like I should just ignore that and just get over your anxiety, mm -hmm. move on. Don't think about it. Just fuck up, soldier through. And it took me a long time to come back to that. I'm curious if yeah. there was some work that helped you get to that place where you learned that you really did know what was best for you. Oh yeah. I mean, same. I thought that my way of doing things was the wrong way, but it was the only way I could get it done. <laughs> it was the only way it worked for me. And it's taken a long time to unpack that shame around being different. And even though I was getting an outcome that I needed to survive and get through, I was being told it wasn't done the right way, or my thoughts about it weren't right, or the way I was approaching things didn't fit. And so rather than me seeing the world as being in, unable to acknowledge and honor my way of being in the world, I internalized it and believed that there was something wrong with me. Mm. And that's, it's taken years of therapy and coaching and personal development books and ah, yeah. failed marriages, <laughs> honestly, to, to get to a place where I recognize, and this is what I do in my work now with my own self is that it, what works for you works for you. And it's really no one else's place to tell you that that is not the right way, you know, for you. Yeah. Um, because you know what you need. Like no one knows you better. You know what you need. Yeah. It's been yeah. a while coming. Yeah. So likewise. Yeah. Lots of therapy, lots of coaching, just inner work. You shared with me that your inner child wisdom guided you in your life choices and decisions. And I'm curious about, I, I love that phrase inner child wisdom, because we often talk about childhood parts as sort of, I don't know, not, not necessarily being bad, but 
not necessarily having wisdom, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it it took a little bit of time to understand it that way, because as I've done being in therapy and being as a therapist for many years, is that kind of have to work on reparenting ourselves and retrieving those younger versions of ourselves that get stuck in those traumatic experiences that we have, you know, so we have these, all these different versions of our younger selves that are kind of frozen in time at that experience that we had where we felt less than misunderstood or harmed or unseen, unseen, (laughs) unsafe, whatever. Yes. And for such a long time, the only voice, my only inner kiddo voice, what I call them is, was one of fear and anxiety and worry. And what that did for me is it developed a really loud inner critic. And what I used to think was, okay, so I have this critical voice. I need to shut it down. I need to kind of kill it, slay it, all the things that you hear. And what I recognize is that that inner critic of mine is actually there for a reason. It's, it's a protector of the younger versions of me and that there's wisdom in those younger versions of me about what it is I need to pay attention to or heal or recognize in this moment, in this, this trigger. And so mm-hmm. I have learned to recognize that inner critic and, and pause and say, okay, what's going on? What do you need? And it's often the voice of a younger kiddo version of me that has some need. And yeah. when we can, when I can meet that need as opposed to shutting down the critic, it's such a valuable experience. And that's why I call it that wisdom because that kiddo is just like, okay, Hey, I'm over here. Like there's some stuff over here that needs to be healed or, you know, you're about to jump on the stage doing a keynote in front of 300 people. And I did not approve of this. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't approve of this thing that you were about to do lady. (laughs) We need to have a conversation. And so I think that that's been a journey for me and really understanding that there's, there's wisdom in those moments. And not granted, I don't want my critic to direct me and beat me down. I think that that's some of the the language that we hear from our culture and the people around us, that that critic takes on the voice of those people. Mm-hmm. But in the end, the whole purpose of it is to keep us safe and to protect those parts of us that have not felt safe. So that's where the wisdom has come from. And it's still here, you know, almost every day. There's some some wisdom gained from a moment of that critic popping up or a trigger that comes up for me. And I'm like, okay, so somebody's not happy with what we're doing in the business today. <laughs> like, let's take a breath. <laughs> Who needs to be excused from the boardroom to exactly. go play or whatever? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, just as you described your part saying like, Nobody told me we were going to be standing up in front of all these people. Well, they don't, those parts don't have to be there, right? Like we can give them permission to go. Something else that came up while you were talking for me was that often, at least in my personal experience, that the triggers can be around relational issues too, where there's the critic saying either I'm not doing it, you know, I'm I'm not doing the right things in relationships or there's something wrong with me because people aren't seeing me for who I am Mm -hmm. versus those younger parts really needing to be tended to and that they're sharing like maybe this relationship doesn't feel safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And isn't healthy. And they're, they're wise. (laughs) Yeah. There's good experience there. I was literally talking to a client a couple of weeks ago about those inner kiddos and, 
she's like, well, why do we keep doing the same thing over and over? Like why it was a relationship or this was a business conversation. She's like, why do I keep feeling this way? Why do I keep feeling like this pattern is being reenacted? And I said, a lot of times what happens with these younger versions of ourselves is like we are behaving in the same way because it's almost like you want a new ending to the script or the movie. We're going to play it all out again, hoping for the ending that we should have had the first time, right? But all the players are still the same. So unfortunately, often we end up with the same scenario. Um, And she was like, yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense because she's like, I want a different outcome, but I'm recognizing that I'm trying to get a different ending that all the players I brought into the situation are the same people playing the same roles. So, Yeah. Well, I think it's so interesting. I am very much involved in sort of trauma circles and trauma healing through different types of therapies and groups and things like that. But I really haven't heard a lot about like bringing the awareness of trauma into the business world, which makes so much sense. I mean, you think about the interpersonal dynamics that go on and whether it's a large company or a small company or whatever it might be, even just being a solo entrepreneur, me personally, all my trauma triggers that get around money or whatever it might be mm-hmm. that are popping up, that what prompted you to shift from being a therapist to this line of work where you're kind of helping business owners yeah. look more clearly at that? It wasn't a direct line, but it was it was pretty interesting in that I left the world of, of being a therapist. I, my last quote unquote job was as a clinical supervisor in a methadone clinic here locally. So it was a very stressful job. Oh my gosh. I had 12 counselors under me, a staff of 20, and we had, I think, about 380 patients as well. So wow. It was a very, very stressful job. And I was having a lot of physical symptoms because I was burnt out. And I don't know about you and your training. I was never taught how to take care of myself. It was a foregone conclusion that you will always put your clients first and burn out. What's that? Right. (laughs) So, well, well, and so many of like the situations you're describing, like with community mental health is the expectation is you work at like a full-time job, Mm -hmm. 40 clients, 40 Mm -hmm. hours. And oh, i interned in a place like that. And it was very difficult on my yeah. system. But anyway, you finish it, it you totally saying, so. is. And so I, as, as many people who are in that field or as helpers or therapists, you know, I, I ended up having physical issues that were in nature because of the emotional and energetic misalignment. Mm-hmm. And I left and I started trying to figure out, okay, well, what can I do? I really want to still work with people, but I need a, I need a minute. You know, I just, I need to get myself together. So I did. And I started working with a life coach because I had been in therapy. You know, I was a therapist for 18 years and many, I had a small private practice as well. I'd done therapy and I just felt like there was something else I would like to do. And so Mm -hmm. I worked with a life coach who had trained with Martha Beck, who's like one of the grandmothers of love coaching. And I really enjoyed it. And I got a lot of benefit out of it. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe this is something that I could do where I could continue to work with people because this is what I love to do but in a different way. 
And so I went and got trained in the first coaching program that came across my desk and it was for money mindset. And I thought, well, this is an area I need some help into. (laughs) And I got trained to be a money mindset coach. And that's how I started my business was helping people recognize how they could change their paradigm around money. And as someone who grew up in the household than I did. And as a social worker, because I have a master's in social work, I was very much taught to default into a certain number that I could make in my career. I was like, you're going to make this much and that's it. So it never occurred to me to even negotiate a salary. So it was super helpful for me to go through it myself. But what I began to recognize is with the clients I was working with, which were mostly small business owners and entrepreneurs, is that they didn't actually have a mindset issue around money. They actually had trauma connected to their money. And so I started to explore, you know, this idea of money trauma, which I didn't come up with that, you know, Martha, Margaret Lynch, I think did, or maybe someone else, but started to explore this idea of money trauma that happened in your formative years and how it impacts what you feel you deserve or how money can then be really uncomfortable. If you, it doesn't matter how much money you have, less or more, the relationship that we have with it becomes very complicated and can feel very untenable. And so as I was doing that work, I began to see it wasn't just money that my clients were struggling with when it came to trauma mm-hmm. in their business. And about two years into my own business, which I write about in my book, How to Love Your Business, I recognized that I was very getting burnt out again. And I was very unhappy, I was starting to dread my work. And I was you know, sat down and I was thinking about, okay, so if I'm miserable here and I'm feeling really kind of like nothing I do is good enough and I'm feeling beat up. I'm the person who created this business. It was me. Like there's nobody else here. (laughs) So if I'm feeling this way, why, why, why do I feel this way? And I did some more deep dives into recognizing that I had created a relationship with my business because I believe that when you start a business, you enter into a relationship and that I was recreating those trauma patterns and those roles from my relationship with my parents and particularly my mom in my business and that my business was pretty much a stand-in for my mom at this point that I could do no right. Everything was wrong. And when I realized I was like, wow, okay. (laughs) So I am recreating trauma patterns in my business with my business then being this perpetrator really in some way I had set it up to put myself in a victim spot. And so I started doing more research and having more conversations with my clients. And I did all these research and interviews with small business owners to kind of dig into how does trauma impact the business. And it it makes so much sense because starting a business is a high dive into personal development, whether you want it to be or not. It just brings up everything. Everything. But we are so taught to compartmentalize our lives. Like you leave your life at the door when you go into your, your work. And that's mm-hmm. not true. Our motivation to be a business owner and to be entrepreneurial is often connected to a trauma story from our past. It is often the motivator. Right. It affects the relationship we build with our business. It affects how we work with our clients and employees and the relationships that we build there and how all of those triggers can come up in navigating our business, even as solopreneurs, because your business is something outside of you that you yeah. are relating to. So it's been a very interesting journey. (laughs) It was a long answer to get to this place. And I started looking around to see if anyone else was doing research on this topic or writing, writing books about it. And this was six years ago at this point, nothing. Mm. So I started doing some of it myself. Wow. Wow. And such an interesting 
because of course, right? Like you said, we do have, especially as entrepreneurs, but even if you were just showing up to your work every day, you have a relationship with the work that you do mm -hmm. and you, whether you choose your work or you just are showing up because this is where you have to go every day. But yeah, there is some relationship to how you feel about it, how you approach it. Just you talking about money trauma. I can, I've talked about it here on the podcast. I definitely have a somewhat dysfunctional relationship with money that I am continuing to work on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so much of the past stuff comes up when dealing with thinking about the money, but also thinking about my business and me as a business owner. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Oof. makes so much sense. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating. I mean, there's nothing more motivating to be, on, to be an entrepreneur or a small business owner than childhood trauma. I mean, I laugh at it, <laughs> but you know, you know, it's, it's almost like a, a, a boot camp for it. So <laughs> you get all these amazing skill sets, but you're triggered all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's, it's amazing. The, the high percentage of people that I've interviewed or worked with who are entrepreneurial that are that way because of either some example, some experience that they had that said, I, I never want to be like that person, or I'll show you, or I'm always going to be in control. Like there's something that happened that made them want to be the one in control and in charge. And also yeah. they developed a lot of skills for managing long periods of discomfort and having to be the one to do the thing themselves because there's no one else there to do it. So, mm. and, and that's, what's so beautiful about it actually is that you can have a really loving relationship with your business and a wonderful experience as a business owner and entrepreneur. When you really start to understand that you, you have a choice here and you can learn to do no harm to yourself with your business and that there is an option in there. And yeah, you yeah. don't have to suffer, suffer through it. Right. This doesn't have to be a re-traumatizing experience every time you approach your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say for sure, being a business owner has taught me a lot about my need to just feel like I'm always doing something new. Like, what's the next thing? What's What am I going to put out there into the world? And yeah, took me to the point where I was like, I can't sustain this. <laughs> I can't. I can't be the only person doing my business. And so I reached out and have help in other ways, but also scaled back, which is important. And so, what was the transition like for you? You said it was like six years ago. So, not at the very beginning of your career. You're turning things around and doing things very differently. What was that like for you as a person? What was that like to make those decisions and changes and to walk away from a job you've been doing for a long time? It was, it was difficult. I think the fact that I wasn't well helped because I was very clear that the systems around us when service and helping professions relies on us being of service. And I'm air quoting here when it's really work mm -hmm. for labor for no money. <laughs> but right. we've been kind of sold this idea that you're doing good for the world and you're being a service and that that should be enough for you and that your needs actually shouldn't be met and that you should want for nothing and that money's not important and it shouldn't be important to you. And so when I started to really recognize that I was burnt out for you know, reasons beyond me at that point, because at first initially I thought, well, this is my fault. You know, I should have done better. I should have had better boundaries. I should have, should have, should have, should have. 
Yeah. But as I kind of unpacked it, I learned to have a healthy dose of self-compassion for myself because the system was not set up for me to thrive. It was barely set up for me to survive in that situation. Yeah. But it was difficult to walk away from it because it was my identity. I mean, I, there's no secret. I went into being a therapist because I had a very traumatic childhood. I needed to understand why people did what they did and how relationships work and why do I feel depressed all the time? If there was a very deep motivator <laughs> to be a therapist. Yeah. And so walking yeah. away from that was a challenge. And then not only that, but moving into this realm of coaching, which my therapist friends had a great disdain for and had no trust in and thought it was very unethical. And the coaching industry is the wild, wild west. There's people doing really awful things in it. And there's people who are doing good work in it. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I got a lot of pushback from my therapist friends about what I was doing. Mm. I really had to learn to advocate for myself. And I, I felt very alone a lot of the time because my therapist friends didn't want to talk about my new venture. I think it was kind mm. of like the crab in the bucket thing where the crab's trying to crawl out and the other crabs are trying to pull it back in. There's mm. some innate, I don't know if it's, well, if it's jealousy. It's just like, we don't understand, right? Like we're trying to pull you back over here. Yeah, yeah. Don't leave the fold. Don't leave the fold. Stay with us. How could you possibly do good work and not be a therapist? And also a lot of the coaches that I met as I started to get into the coaching world were very suspect, I think, because I was a therapist and they didn't think that the two could marry. Hmm. So interesting because they're so interrelated, I find with my coaching clients and my therapy clients that they're so, you pull from all the things, you know, mm -hmm. for both sets of clients. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, it wasn't about me. It was it was about them and how they saw their self and their own expertise, and their own training. And so I felt very mm -hmm. alone for quite a while until I, I ended up in a, a, a business coaching program where the business coach was really, really great. And I found some like-minded people, but it took a minute and I felt kind of alone. My husband initially, when I first started doing this and started my job he, or my business, he's like, this whole coaching thing. He's like, is it a cult? <laughs> started laughing and I was like no <laughs> I said I know it can feel like it because you go to like this three-day event and it's like you get all hyped up and excited because you just learned a new coaching tool or or whatever but even he was a little concerned at the beginning so I did feel quite alone and I think that's one of the reasons why I was I was really quick to jump to train with Brene Brown because she was a trailblazer she was someone who was talking about shame and vulnerability and refused to not use the word shame when she was giving talks and you know, going before, you know, all these corporate CEOs and or women's groups. And they said, yeah, could you not use the word shame? And she's like, no, we have to talk about, you have to use the word. That's what it is. And that's right. what I was feeling about when I started talking about trauma in business. People were like, you can't talk about trauma in business. That's not, first of all, it's not a thing. And secondly, don't use the T word. You'll scare people. And, and I kept saying, call it burnout, yep. call it, and I was like, no, we have to call a thing a thing. We have to use the appropriate language because that's what's going on here. So I yeah. kind of had to forge this path with a lot of resistance from therapists saying you shouldn't be doing trauma work with coaching clients. I'm like, that's not necessarily what we're doing. And coaches saying, you can't talk about trauma, you know, like it's again, more, more resistance. Mm -hmm. And so I just really leaned into her mentorship of do it anyway. It's called mm -hmm. a thing a thing. 
people will start to budge at some point. And how here we are now with people using the word shame of vulnerability, looking at shame right. in the workplace and people are starting to yeah. come around to trauma and business. If you go on Instagram for five seconds, you're going to see people talking about trauma, business coaches <sighs> talking about trauma. So yeah. her work was very aligned with my work. And so that's why I jumped at the chance to train with her to learn how to facilitate her dare to leave processes, because I felt like they were very aligned with the work that I do and give some tangible skills and tools that are based on research that I don't quite have because it's just me. <laughs> so still trying to do this work on research. So, yeah. 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 But having that foundation to pull from to really help your clients. Yes. And it's so I have felt less alone, but it was really hard for a while. But again, I think that's one of those unseen benefits of being a, a kid going through a school system with a learning difference without it being diagnosed or supported in any way. You can be lonely and still find your way through. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And I feel like that's such a a beautiful message, too, because, you know, there are other people out there that have experienced at least somewhat similar things, too, to know that, yes, you can forge your way through and it's going to be hard, but there is another side. There is the other mm -hmm. side. Uh, so, and you may end up saying the same thing or you may come up with something else, but you've overcome a lot of your, in your mm -hmm. life. I mean, I know you're a cancer survivor, mm -hmm. child abuse, mm -hmm. learning disabilities. If there were a piece of wisdom that you would like to share with wise women who are listening to our conversation, what might that be? I think the best advice that I have had and that I've taken in in the last several years, and particularly around the breast cancer stuff, is not everybody needs to know everything. Mm. You're entitled to your privacy when it comes to challenges. It's important to tell people what's okay and what's not okay and enforce that because people will rise to the level of your boundaries. And if you don't have them, you'll be awash in other people's energy. So I think that it's important for you to take a moment and ask yourself, what is it that I need here in this moment? And am I willing to give that to myself? And if I don't have the energy or strength to, who can I ask to support me in it so that you don't have to be alone? that is beautiful that is so beautiful and well I appreciate your wisdom and sharing so much of yourself here today on the podcast thank you for having me it's been nice to talk to you yeah it's been really nice to talk to you too nice to get to know you so Nicole if people wanted to know more about you and how to find you where would they look yeah, the best place to go is my website, nicole.lewis-keeber.com. You can find me there. You can also find me on Instagram at nicole.lewiskeeber. I think they're together. I am on TikTok too. I'm playing with the young kids here on TikTok and I'm <laughs> at the business therapist on TikTok. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I will certainly include the links to your book and to your social media stuff and your website in the show notes. And I just want to say thanks again for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed my conversation with Nicole Lewis-Kieber. She is such an easy person to talk to 
And I felt like her energy and mine were really very aligned. Part of that was just knowing that she also had a trauma history that she was very willing to share, you know, not the specifics necessarily, but just that it's impacted her life. And I think my biggest takeaway from our conversation today was I was sharing with this with her at the end of our, after I'd stopped recording, was that I really, even though I've considered how trauma has impacted my relationships with others and my relationship with myself, my relationship with money, I really have not thought about, this is a little embarrassing to say, but it's true. I've not thought about how trauma, my trauma impacts my relationship with my business. And being a helper, being a therapist and a life coach and a person who tends to want to take care of others I can see how it's playing out in my business of wanting to do it all, wanting to help everyone and needing to set some boundaries and limits around how much I can actually do, how many people I can serve, how I can better serve myself in my business. But anyway, I hope you will check out Nicole's offerings, follow her on social media. You can check out her book if this episode resonated with you and you would like to know a little bit more about how trauma is impacting your relationship with your business. Because we all deserve to be in good relationship with all the people in our lives, including our business and ourselves and others. So, If you want to be in the loop for the podcast when new episodes are coming or when they've aired and get some insights from me in my newsletter, you can sign up to elizabethcushcoaching.com forward slash sign up. And when you do, you will get a free PDF with journaling prompts to help you live with more ease and balance in your life. For all of you helpers, healers, empaths, intuitives, I think this is a great tool to help you recognize that the range of emotions that you feel, how often stress is in your life, and uh, I hope you'll check them out. So sign up, elizabethcushcoaching.com forward slash sign up and get those journaling prompts. And if you're interested in working one-on-one with me as a life coach, you can find out more about that on my website, but you can also book a free 45-minute discovery call to talk to me about coaching. If you go to elizabethcushcoaching.com, just click the link at the top. There's a box that says, let's talk. And that takes you right to my scheduling link. And I can't wait to talk to you. Have a terrific week, and I will see you back here on the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Music by Andy Cush, sound editing by Laura Disler, 
and show notes by Kathy Cush. If you'd like more information about me, Biz Cush, and the resources shared today, go to awakenyourwisewoman.com.